So when I opened the garage door for them to come out, they was fucking pal. They looked like they'd seen a ghost. They was in a right bad way. They were shaking and fucking in a right bad state. I thought it was because of what's gone on, you know? Thought she was scared of her dad and, you know? But no, there was something else. Something else went on in there. Now, I don't believe in all this supernatural shit and ghosts and I don't believe none of that. But they swore when they come out that there was a figure in there standing over them the whole time they was in there saying, don't go out, don't go out. And this figure had half its head caved in. Now, I know people out there thinking, hey, you're fucking talking about the Donnie Darko film, aren't you? Donnie Darko wasn't out for another 10 years. This is 92, 93, something like that. Like, Look into it. Donnie Darko was not even thought about then. So, yeah, they spent a good hour and a half, two hours in the dark shed with this ghostly figure standing over him with half his brains hanging out. Chanting to them, don't go out, don't go out, don't go out. Now, they were scared, but they didn't feel threatened, they said. Now, I I, I thought absolutely nothing of it, because, you know, she was a bit of a weirdo. I used to think she was a witch, and Brian was a bit gullible. I don't know, a bit far out there, but not me. I played I played absolutely no attention. I was way too excited with what had gone on, you know. All, all the shit that had gone on that night and uh I thought nothing of it. Just brushed it off of them making shit up, you know, because they didn't want to feel left out of all the excitement, you know. Brian was a bit like that, you know. But yeah. A ghostly figure with half a head half its head caved in saying, Don't go out. Don't go out. How fucking weird's that? Gives me the fucking creeps thinking about it. This story will go on and it will make you think about this figure. Yeah. So we went upstairs, sat around, explained to each other what had happened. Uh, yeah, we were so excited, so G'd up and we felt fucking superhuman. We just got away with that, you know. We felt on top of the fucking world like nothing could touch us. So Brian decided to go out and steal a car. Stephen had been out earlier. What we used to do, we used to put a mark on the windscreen, you know, or a cross on the windscreen in the dirt. Um, and that would signal signal that there's something worth stealing in there, like a a car stereo or something on the back seat or possibly the car, you know, there were certain cars that was easy to steal. So Brian decided to go out. Him and Stephen, I was left there with Michelle. And within 15 minutes, it fucking turned up. With a Montego injection, two litre injection, something like that. Doesn't sound like much, but it was a pretty decent car back in the day. Yeah, and he pulled up at my house, jumped out of the car. 
he wanted to spend some time with Michelle. And I jumped in the driver's seat. We'd always been around London and around the ferry out of Kibrook and we'd ever had stolen vehicles. The few times we had had stolen vehicles. So we kind of stayed on the estate or didn't go far because of the risk of the police and stuff. But this time I'm, I'm in Bexley, I'm in Kent. I know all the roads from cycling out towards Kent, towards Brownsatch, West Kingsdown, places like that, country lanes. So I decided to go out with just me and Stephen. And uh, yeah, everything was fine for a little while. Everything was fine, we was having a good laugh. We went up the A2, drove around Dartford, ran the country lanes just off Dartford, Wilmington, around that area. Everything was fine. And we ended up at the top of, um, Top of a hill off the M25 going down this hill towards Browns Hatch. Uh, there's a roundabout at the bottom. I think it's called Gorse Hill or something. But anyway, this is a known blind bend hotspot for deaths, motorbike accidents. And uh, it was named by this biker gang, Death Hill. And I was just going too fast down this hill. Didn't have a clue. You know, I'm 15, 16 years old, didn't have a clue. And unfortunately, unfortunately, my last words to Stephen were, because you remember like a couple of months before, Brian had taken the front of a car off with his bad driving. And I turned around to Stephen and said, uh, I'm a good driver, aren't I? Much better than Brian. No more than 10, 15 seconds later, we're flying through the air, spinning. I just couldn't make it around this corner, going way too fast. And uh, literally took off, hit a lamppost. I think the car went upside down. Don't remember a lot about it. I just remember having an accident and then being upside down in the car and Stephen laying down in the, uh, on, the, on the roof, which, you know, his head was sort of forwards. And uh, when I lifted his shoulders back, because I was, I was untouched, I didn't have a seatbelt on. I was untouched, literally unscratched. When I pulled Stephen back by the shoulders, because I could hear him breathing, like... <sighs> when I lifted him up, his head had hit the windscreen on his side and he had caved his head in. I could see his brain, his eye was hanging out. He's fucked up, man. He's real fucked up. So, <clears throat> quick thinking, I was uh, panicking. I didn't know what the fuck to do. You know, the sheer panic that goes, goes through you when something like that happens. So my first instinct was to kick the windscreen out. I, I couldn't get out any other way, you know kick the windscreen out, put two feet out, put my head out, but dragged Stephen out. I've now dragged him out onto this grass verge. And we're in this, uh, like, gully, 
like a water gully which collects collects rainwater from the hills. We were way off the road, like we must have fucking flew off that round that roundabout and took off. I couldn't even see the road. But there must have been a few minutes must have passed by the time we sat. I don't know if I'd been unconscious or it, you know it just happened or what. I don't know. But when I looked behind me, I heard, I heard someone say, "You all right, mate?" Look behind me. I, was, I said, "No, call an ambulance. Call a fucking ambulance." And the guy ran off. So I'm dragging Stephen out at this point, and I'm there. I'm in tears with him on my lap, blood everywhere. And I'm talking to him, and it's fucking messed up, man. Messed up. Uh, I, to my recollection, there wasn't anyone else there, but apparently there was witnesses there that said that they was there and that I've run off. So, in my mind, I heard uh, sirens, and then I just wanted to disappear. You know, it was fight or flight. It was just a reaction to run and uh, leave my half dead friend there, still breathing, but with not much hope of surviving these injuries. And I just I just ran and ran and ran. And we're about six or seven miles away from home, from Bexley, where I was near Brown's Hatch. And I ran all the way home. And at one point I heard a helicopter and thought it was the police helicopter. But in hindsight, it must have been an air ambulance come to pick Stephen up. Because I was hiding in... These these water water gullies on sides of fields, like um, do you know where where farmers grow corn and stuff? And I remember hiding in this ditch, thinking the helicopter was following me, but I didn't see it circling or anything. So I decided to go on. And I'm walking up this country lane now. now by this time, it must be seven or eight o'clock in the morning, and a, a driver's put pulled over and asked if I wanted a lift because I'm in the middle of a country lane going up this hill and there's no houses for miles around and. I jumped in, obviously, I am covered. I'm a 16-year-old kid with blood all in my lap, all down my front, all on my hands. Mud everywhere, I've been running through fields. And the guy must have come past the police as well. He, he must have known what was going on. He said, you all right, mate? And I come out with something like, because uh, it was springtime, I said, oh, yeah, I've just been helping out on the farm with the lambs, giving birth to the lambs birthing the lambs, and uh, that was my excuse, which he, he seemed to accept. It was a very quiet, sullen journey anyway. Anyway, I got back to Bexley. Obviously, I, I got dropped off a, a mile or two away and walked the rest of the way. And when I got back to Brian and Michelle, explained to them what had gone on. I was in such a state. I didn't know what the fuck to do. I didn't know what to do. So fucking scary. Um, so we let we left it about half an hour, an hour, and then we started phoning round the hospitals, and we found out that he was in Sidcup Queen Mary's Hospital. So I think we jumped on a bus. I'm pretty sure we jumped on a bus. I must have got changed, had a wash, and jumped on a bus there. And of course, there's police everywhere there, you know. 16-year-old kid in a car accident, in a stolen car. There was police everywhere. So we've straight away we've gone up to the desk and asked for, as a kid come in, 
with her from a car accident and there was police straight on us nicked us all. And I still didn't know what to do. I was taken to Dartford Police Station. I was petrified. I'm a young 16-year-old kid, petrified. I tried to lie my way out of it, tried to deny it all. Yeah, I, I really didn't know what to do. I mean, it wasn't long before I'd uh, confessed to it all. It was pretty obvious what had happened. But I think the policeman, PC Ottoman his name was. I don't know how I remember his name. But he um, he didn't know who it was. It could have been me, it could have been Brian, you know. And uh, I think the way he found out in the end, I think Brian sort of told him it was me. I also had a little cut on my knuckles on the, the palm of my hand and the back of my hand where I'd um, kicked the glass windscreen through and dragged Stephen out. I'd cut up my hands a little bit, so... There was a bit of a sign that it was me, you know. I can't remember how how I said I'd done that, but the the way I uh, remember it happening is uh, PC Ottoman came in, took me out for an interview, and said Brian's told us exactly what's happened. He told us he stole the car, but you was driving it, and he was at home. So yeah, after all that loyalty, Brian dropped me in it. Which is, you know, I, I, I would have come clean. I was just petrified. I didn't have a solicitor. I didn't have no family there or anything. I needed to think about stuff and, you know, whole time I'm praying that Stephen's going to live and... Yeah, I think it was only three or four days until they turned off the life support machine and Stephen passed away. He was too far, too far gone, too much brain damage and stuff. And it tore my world apart. It f fucking me and loads of other people, but I don't want, I don't want pity or anything. But yeah, I was kept in custody for a couple of days and then went to magistrate court and bowed to go to um, Crown Court. Um, where my dad was away uh, on a holiday, sort of a cycling training camp, my aunt was my closest guardian, my aunt Jack, and uh, she came and picked me up from Dartford, and I went back to the place in Erith, and I just couldn't couldn't stay there. I couldn't even go in the house at one point, you know, to get clothes and stuff. I, it's just too much. It, it was just brought too many bad memories. But the 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 way I was feeling was fucking unbelievable. I still remember that feeling. I still remember. For about two or three weeks afterwards, I could smell blood. Everything smelled of blood. I don't know if anyone's ever been around a lot of blood, especially human blood. It's got this irony smell, rusty smell. And uh, that was impregnated in my brain, in my nose cavity. It was just, everything smelled of blood. I was feeling nauseous all the time through worry and stress and luckily my aunt said I can come and stay with her, you know. And I, I went to live with my aunt for a little while until all the, this was all sorted out, but I ended up going to Crown Court. I didn't even go to the funeral because obviously word had got around and 
I was public enemy number one.